Suck at Golf, and let me tell you why. I'm Avery Doxic, your host of the Why You Suck at Golf podcast. I'm here to be 100% honest with you, 100% of the time, and today we're joined with a special guest. His name is Andrew McGee. He is known for being the only player to get a hole-in-one on a par four on the PGA Tour. But first, let's hear from Anchor. Today, I'm joined with Andrew McGee. He is here based in, are you in Arizona right now? I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been here for 30, heck, 32 years from Oklahoma. Ah, hot weather. Can't complain. Beautiful, Beautiful golf. Beautiful day out here. Yeah, I played 27 holes yesterday at Whisper Rock, my home club here, with a great friend from Montana. We had a great time talking about um, happy joy joy on the golf course, working on our chipping and um, always fun to get out with old friends and, and teach them what I know. I'm a really good chipper and I've got a, a technique that I, that I've learned, um, over the years, actually, you know, I played with Seve Ballesteros in 84 in the European tour and we played a few practice rounds and he showed me a little tip. And then David Frost on the regular tour over here, we played quite a few practice rounds and he reinforced what Seve, um, showed me years later. And then, um, you know, so I, I definitely am a good chipper, and I love to show off what I do and teach other people how to do it. Well, I think you need to teach me. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, I, a little bit of, about your history. Let's dive into that. You know, kind of how you got into golf, where you went from there. Just give me a little background. Well, um, traditionally, like uh, most, you know, young guys, I didn't really start like with, you know, wanting to be a tour player and dreaming of winning the Masters or the U.S. Open. You know, I, I call it like stepping up the ladder. Um, I was a decent player in high school, enough to get a scholarship to Oklahoma, um, where I played four years as a number one player, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I wasn't certain I was good enough to make the tour until a couple of my buddies, Mark Brooks, University of Texas, and Willie Wood from Oklahoma State, um, qualified for the tour the first time, which gave me the confidence to realize I was as good as they were. We played golf together all the time that I had a a good shot of making the tour. And I, and I went out and made it my first time on the tour. So um, I was 22 and uh, lucky for me, right after the NCAAs, when I was 22, I went straight to Europe. I signed up with IMG in Cleveland, um, which got me sponsors exemptions on the European tour. Um, a really great way. Um, instead of joining the mini tours and kind of going through all that stuff, I, I mean, my third professional tournament, I was paired with Seve and Greg Norman in the Irish open on Saturday morning. Um, so, wow. I mean, pretty incredible start to my professional career to come straight back from the European tour and go right to tour school. And I was ready. I was tournament tested. Um, I made some nice money in, in Europe and I had cash and and I had confidence. So I think that's uh, that's a big word, confidence, uh, that, that you need to go into that tour school because we've all heard the horror stories of guys missing it, missing it and then losing their I mean, losing their career because they can't get over that first hurdle. Yeah. How was uh, all the traveling at first? Did it like, was it hard for you? Did you adapt to it? All the different time changes? I'm sure you were going back and forth from the U.S. to other countries. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm different that my father was a mobile oil geologist, um, small town Pittsburgh, outside of Pittsburgh, uh, geologist after World War II, signed up for the international option. So I was born in Paris, France in 1962. And uh, yeah. soon, soon after France, we moved to all places, Tripoli, Libya. Um, <laughs> pre-Qaddafi. Uh, we lived there five years until Qaddafi took over the Air Force Base in six, 1968. 
and then our family moved to London, England, downtown across from Regent's Park. So I didn't really play any golf at that point, but after five years in London, my father, our family was transferred to Dallas, Texas, across the street from a golf course. Of course, I I didn't know how to play baseball, football, basketball. I never had done any of that. And I was lucky to, you know, find something I could do by myself, chipping and putting um, and playing golf with my young friends and my mom, actually, when I was 12 and 13 um, and owning my skills. And I remember my first tournament round, I think I was 14. I shot 94 and finished like second in some small tournament outside of Dallas. And I was kind of on my way to traveling already at that point, you know, 14, 15 and going to tournaments in Houston and, and, and towns around Texas and um, then high school. So I, I've always traveled quite a bit. Um, I don't mind traveling. I love to go to new places. I play golf in 30 countries, um, not all performance, wow. but, um, you know, from, from Australia um, to Sweden to Morocco to, you know, of course, all over the British Isles and, and Mexico and Chile and Argentina. Um, so I played quite a few places, um, loved it. I love the golf travel. I love to meet new people and, and see, you know, how their conditions of their golf courses are in other places. And I feel very fortunate to, to have that experience under my belt for sure. Wow. And that, that's amazing. But it also, you're so blessed that you had traveled at such a young age. Cause I know I have some friends trying to get into the tour right now and it's, it's, catching up to them like all the different time zones and keeping up with their families and it's really hard on them so that's awesome that you were able to easily adapt and you know i'm you not know, say you've been and golfed to that many places is incredible i'm not sure if it's um you don't have a choice you know if you're a professional golfer and you're trying to make a living um you can't complain about the time zones and the bad food and lack of sleep you've got to go out and compete that next day you've got to do the best you can to figure out how to score the best you can and have a great attitude about it. I think I've always been lucky to have a really good attitude and excited about getting out and playing golf and seeing what my score is going to be that next day. And, and um, you know, it's I, I, if people ask me, what was your best attribute? Did you hit fairways? Were you long? Were you a good putter? And I had a great attitude, and I still do. I love to play golf. I love to go out and see what's going to happen that day. Um, I love to my, – my joke is, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but um, – you know, I play for three things right now. I play for hole-in-ones, long putts, and chip-ins. I, I, I play for <laughs> the hard things that we don't get very often. I hit tons of fairways. I hit lots of greens. I make a lot of birdies and eagles. No big deal. Blah, blah. You know, so, so you know, I played 27 yesterday, and I'm, I'm kind of mad I didn't make any hole-in-ones. But, um, but I was close, and I almost made three last week. So I'm really thinking about it, and I'm reading the green from the tee, and I know how it's going to break into that pin at my home clubs. And, and places I play. So I'm, I'm looking at how this thing's going to roll in from the tee shot. And I'm not trying to fly him in so much, um, but I'm looking at how that thing's going to break, you know, how that ball's going to break into the hole from, you know, from 200 yards. Absolutely. I think that's crucial to having a mindset, not just getting it close, but, you know, getting it in. I think a lot of golfers just don't do that, especially at the collegiate level. I play with a lot of girls and, you know, you'll hear their coaches say, you know, just get it within five, six feet. Terrible you know, advice. Don't Terrible worry about advice. making it. And it's, yeah, I know. I and it's, I listen to you and it's like, no, get it in the dang hole. No, it's, it's, I hate the up and in thing. No, it's up. It's only up. It's only making the shot, you know, and, and trying to hold everything, you know, from 130 yards and in when you got wedges and you have shorter clubs. You know, but I'm going to take it because I'm a freak. I'm going to take it further and say I'm trying to hold it from 200, you know, because wow. that's 
the goal for the day is is to try to make shots. You know, it's not get it up and down. You know, it's about holding stuff out and and really finding the fun in that. You know, and, and instead of just saying I don't, you know, I don't want to miss it over there. I don't. The water's over there, so I should aim right. And that's all poor judgment and poor thinking. It's it's about. You know, we were we were going to talk about this, and I'll go into it right now. It's it's about that four hours, that five hours on the golf course that you've been so looking forward to playing golf that day with your friends, and and finding so much joy and and and, and attitude and and happiness in that four hours with them. And as soon as you're done playing, you can cuss yourself all you want, but but own it. Get out there when you hit a bad shot. You know, don't blame. Don't say, "Oh, Bob, you know, why'd you do that?" I mean, you did it shut up and continue on to the next ball and try to do the best you can. And for four hours, have an incredible, go for it. I love that. I think that's so funny because you say, you know, stay quiet after you hit a ball. And, you know, people think girls on the course are all like polite. And, you know, you, you hear an array of words and vocabulary come out of their mouth after they hit a bad shot. So I yeah. think that's great advice. And I think that helps just- your mental it's just protecting your ego. When you comment, it's just protecting yourself. It makes you feel better about yourself or whatever. And I, I don't really, when I play with guys and they do that, I'm going like, wow, why'd you say that? <laughs> just shut up and own it. And you're a grown up. You know, let's go, let's move on and go to the next ball. And for four hours, let's be incredibly upbeat, have an incredible attitude, try to hold shots. And, and make long putts and chip in and hold sand shots and, and have super fun with it. Find, find that joy. You want to stand there before your ball sometimes and just close your eyes and feel the joy going down to your toes. Can you, can you do that, Avery? Can you stand up right now for me and just stand up and go, close your eyes and feel the joy in my toes. <laughs> I mean, this, this is a Chuck Hogan thing. He was a, a golf teacher and, psychologist out here that we all hung out with because he was so quirky and I can do that I can stand there and just just kind of emanate and feel that happiness flow down through and into your toes that your whole body is is up and happy and ready for the next thing instead of going like "Uh uh-oh I'm not hitting it very good today and there's water on the left and out of bounds on the right and I I I don't know how I'm gonna hit it that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. feel the joy feel the love and go for it do you think that kind of mindset is what made you as successful as you were on the pro tour? Do you think that was the number one contributing factor to it? You know, yeah, certainly, you know, I was, um, I, I was decent in all aspects of the game. I wouldn't say I had a, a huge weakness. I, as I lost my skills a little bit, I lost my driving accuracy and hence after 20 years on tour, I was off the tour. Um, um, but I, I, again, I think it's having that incredible attitude to, um, wake up and look forward to that day. Even if you're hitting it poorly, I had some of my best rounds when I was hitting it uh, poorly in practice and poorly in the pro-am and Thursday morning, I didn't really know if I was going to hook it, fade it, top it, sky it. Um, but I got my mental game in, in shape and was ready to, you know, punch it down the fairway and keep it in play and, and score. Cause you have to turn a score in no matter if you got jet lag and if you've eaten a bad breakfast You've got to post a score as a professional player or a college player, any player. And, and that's all you've got to stand, stand on. For that yeah. Day. Well, if you were to give one piece of advice to aspiring pro golfers, what would um, play a lot of golf, 
don't practice as much. Um, learn how to hit different shots. You know, go behind a tree. Um, try to cut it. Try to hook it. You know, work work on scoring on the golf course. Don't work on your swing. And don't have swing thoughts when you're on the course. I mean, try to make this as zen-like <clears throat> as possible with with scoring and, and curve the ball. I mean, too many guys today, they're on tour. They, they hit it so hard, they can't even curve the ball. I mean, Bubba Watson, the only one that comes to mind that plays these incredible shots that, that fade and hook. I know technology has really hampered some of the, the ball curving. But, I mean, get behind a tree drop 10 balls and, and try to hit a low cut, try to hit a high cut, try to hit a, try to hit a snap hook around it and, and learn, learn how to hit those kind of shots because not every day is going to be peachy and you're not always going to be down the middle and on the green, you're going to find yourself in tough places and don't get upset about it. Get really happy about it. When you hit a Porsche under a green 40 feet, go, yeah, now I got a chance to make a long putt. This is <laughs> Instead of going like, God, that was a wedge to 40 feet. That was terrible. Go, yes, that was cool. I missed the green. Cool. I'm going to chip this in. I mean, always try to find the positive in, in every single thing that goes wrong because you had those four hours to enjoy with your friends and, and, and enjoy. Feel the joy in your toes. I love that. I'm going to make literally all my team listen to that speech because I think we all need a little bit of that joy in us but let's talk about incredible shots let's throw it back to 2001 why don't you tell us what happened that year <laughs> well if you google me you'd read it right there on the, on the online but um 2001 on a friday afternoon at the phoenix open um on the 17th hole at tpc scottsdale where i played many 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 times um i was standing there on the on the tee box after making a 40-footer on the 16th hole. So think about how this all lines up. I bogeyed the 15th hole. It's a par five. I had a good drive, and I hit the, my second shot in the water and made a bogey, and I was I was three under at that time and trying to get to four under on the 15th, and I bogeyed the hole. So the next hole, the 16th, I didn't hit the, the famous 16th hole, the Fenway Park-looking hole I think everybody recognizes. You know, I, I, hit, a, I hit a poor nine-iron into the green, and it had a 40-footer, mm -hmm. and I made it. I made it for birdie. So that got that got me the tee on 17. If, if if I wasn't the first to hit, that ball would not have gone in for a hole in one in 17. But as I'm standing there with my playing partners, it's 332 yards away. And I'm going, should we wait? You know, I, I said, I play here all the time. I don't really drive it up on the green. I can get close to the front edge, maybe dribble it up on the front edge. And my playing partners, no, you better wait. I was still mad about the bogey on 15. And... um I said, no, I'm just going to go ahead and hit. So, of course, I crushed this thing from 332, and it flew the middle bunker in the middle of the fairway and took a big bounce. There was a little bit of wind behind me, and the ball ambled and bounced up on the green past Steve Pate. Gary Nicholas was on tour at that time. He kind of jumped out of the way, and Tom Byram, who was in that group also, was eight feet from the hole, practice, doing a couple practice strokes, about to hit his par putt, and the ball went around his left foot, and it hit his putter as he was stroking, practice stroking to the hole. And he putted it right in the hole. Oh, my <laughs> I'm on the gosh. tee box going, oh, my God. People were cheering and clapping on the, on the green. My dad was up there. He was, like, raising his hands up in the air like, yay. And I'm going, like, what happened? Did I hit somebody? Did I get a penalty? Did I make another bogey? And the tour official comes down the middle of the fairway in his golf cart and stops 100 yards in front of the tee box. And he raises one finger in the air. It's a one. 
and uh, no, excuse me. <laughs> he, he raised both arms in the air. Like it's a touchdown kind of sign. I'm going like well, touchdown. Like I got, a six. <laughs> I got a six, right? No, he says, no, no, no. Then he raised the one finger in the air. He says, no, it's a one. It counts as a one. So I really didn't realize until I kind of walked up onto the green and people were cheering and it counted as a hole in one. And it's really bizarre because 19 years later, Today, and the Phoenix Open was, what, two weeks ago. It's still the only hole-in-one in PGA Tour history. Yeah, that's amazing. And and, and it happened like that. You know? <laughs> so I tell everybody, it's not against the rules. It's just bad etiquette, and I can live with that. <laughs> Heck, yeah, you can live with that. Um, <laughs> I know you went two weeks ago, and how was the energy? How is it being back? I, I'm sure you go – do you go every year? I go every year. I'm a big fan of the Phoenix Open. I'm a big fan of what the, the, the Thunderbirds, they're a civic organization here in town that, that put this thing on. Um, I mean, they, they gave $14 million to local charity last year. It's, it's, it's by far Incredible. the biggest charity-giving tournament um, in the world. It's the largest attended tournament in the world. It's not really a tournament. It's a festival. It's just a show. <laughs> it's a big, big party for a lot of young folks here in the, in the Phoenix area, but um, I, I love it because, you know, people are like, oh, my, you know, the heckling of the players, these, there's too much noise, and it's only one tournament of the year. If you don't like it as a tour player, don't come to Phoenix. Um, if you give that kind of money to charity, which is what tournament golf was all about, is helping the local, local economy and the local charities out, um, it's great for me. And that the tour guys, the PGA Tour and Sawgrass, are like, we've got we've to curb that out there in Phoenix. It's crazy. I said, you're not going to do anything if they give that much money to charity. You can't. And it's, it's fun for all the guys that, that play and they love it. Um, and the course is in great shape. Um, I love 16. I think it's fantastic. It's, a, it's not like it's a three iron over water without a bounds. It's an eight or nine iron for most of these guys. Uh-huh. And if they miss the green, they're really choking. I mean, because it's not that hard a shot. <laughs> yeah. Is the energy on that hole, like, unreal? I've heard so many people say, you know, you could – feel the ground shake with people in the stands you you really can it is just it's just crazy i go straight to 16 every year and i huckle the pro golf the golfers think too it's like, <laughs> i mean they can take it they're playing for eight million dollars i mean come on guys this isn't that this isn't that hard to, to if you hit a bad shot to get booed one time of the year um you know just just own it and love it and, and get the crowd going and have fun and put your favorite basketball jersey on or your favorite school colors and, and, and have a good time and, and come to Phoenix. And I think they all, they, most of them grasp that and they really enjoy it. That was amazing, especially you mentioned the basketball jersey right after Kobe Bryant's death and the tributes that they did to that and the players jumping on board so quickly. I don't, that was awesome. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. How about the, the the Down syndrome girl last year that hit the ball that made the par with Gary Woodland? Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean yeah. that has gone viral all over the world. She was out there again this this year. Um, just the cool things that happen on that hole. I mean that just it just doesn't happen in a lot of places, you know. So we're I'm I'm proud to be in Phoenix. It's a great golf town. Um, I moved here from Oklahoma on my second year of the PGA Tour to to, to practice in the conditions out here. Our, our grasses. Are, are better than Florida's. I mean, our bent grass greens, the, the fairways are PGA Tour-like at most clubs here in, in Scottsdale. And, and I came here because of the conditions and the weather. Um, and it's certainly paid off for me. You should be a travel agent for Phoenix. You're making me <laughs> want to move there. So nowadays, how often do you get out to the course? Oh, I play all the time. Um, 
27 holes yesterday. I play all around. I, I mean, I in a seven-day stretch, I'm, I'm probably five days of those. Yeah. I play quite a bit. Like I said earlier, I really enjoy going out with, with my friends and, and making new friends and, and showing off and hitting curveballs and, and telling them I'm going to hit this curveball. This drive is going to be 20 feet high. It's going to go around that cactus, and I'm going to end up in the middle of the fairway. You know, so I like to show off, and it kind of gives them an idea, a little bit of what maybe they could do and what they could strive for. Um, I think I get, I really do get more joy out of other people's happiness on the golf course because I know I can do it, and it's just fun for me to, to see. Like my buddy yesterday, we were chipping, and he started. He chipped two in in a row. I'm going, yeah, now you got it, and I was really happy for him because he struggled with it. He's using too much body. He wasn't letting the weight of the sand wedge go and just release it to hit a little. I'm trying to hit little hooks off the toe when I chip it to take the spin off the ball. And I don't want spin. I, I want no spin so I can judge the reaction of the ball when it hits the green and it acts like a putt as soon as possible. So I'm uh, if I want to hit it softer to a short pin, I'll just move it up in my stance a tiny bit. Might open the blade a little bit, but I'm always using it off the toe to deaden the shot. So if, if it's a short-sided shot, I'll swing a little harder um, and then deaden it to, for it to that, so it doesn't roll out as far. But if it's a long shot, you know, I'll play it back in my stance a little bit more and I'll try to I'll hood the face and still play it off the toe and try to hook it across the green to get it to roll farther. But I'm trying to take the spin off. I mean, most people are opening the blade and swinging real hard, you know, at a lob shot. And I'm like, mm, that's too risky with a K. I, I do use my wrist with a T to release the club, but I don't, I don't take, I don't put that kind of risk in, into those kind of up and down shots. I play them a little safer and, and I'm trying to hold them, you know, I'm trying to hold them, not just get it on the green. Yeah. Going back to that joy thing. Do you think of golf nowadays as a sport or do you feel it, it's more like self-relief? If that makes any sense. No, it's, it's a sport, you know, um, I, I look at it more artistically. I look at it more of, you know, bending the ball and trying to figure out how to paint this picture that day, how to paint my canvas, how to, you know, after four hours of golf, what is, what is my picture going to look like? You know, is it black and dark and angry? Is it bright and light with, with cool shots and, and fun and happy and make telling stories with your buddies and laughing? Um, I'm trying to paint that picture every day as an artist and, and to, to play it, play it like that with curveballs. I'm, I'm long enough where I can hit a nice, hard, you know, 300-yard drive every once in a while. But I'm trying to curve it. I'm trying to find the joy in painting that beautiful picture every day. Yeah. Do you play music when you golf nowadays? Or do yeah, you keep absolutely. It... I, I drink. Absolutely. I drink <laughs> and I play music. And it depends on what club uh, where I'm at and, you know, who I'm playing with. I can do music or I can't do music. And, you know, I, I play to enjoy it with my friends. Do you do a little friendly competition? <laughs> um, a little betting or? I'm not a big gambler. Um, we, we do play for monies every once in a while, but I don't have to play for that. I, you know, again, I play for the joy of, of hitting those curveballs and trying to hole out shots every day. And I don't need money to get me motivated to do that. And it's not about winning and losing. It's about, it's about the camaraderie. It's about scoring that incredible shot every day, as we talked about. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for hopping on and, you know, telling your story and your mindset. I think it's awesome. And I think it's going to help a lot of people, especially I know it's going to help me, but as I'm going to fast forward this and pass it along to my team. And I think it's going to help a little bit of everyone. 
Well, I really appreciate you connecting, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Awesome. Well, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, Avery. As always, thank you for listening, and feel free to find me on any social media at Avery underscore Dovsek. That's A-V-E-R-E-E underscore D-O-V-S-E-K. We'll see you next time.